Hey everybody, this is Jeremy, and welcome back to another episode of the Memory Vox. Sorry it's been a little bit of time since I posted my last one. It's been a crazy couple of months. I was able to land a guest for everybody to listen to today, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we have on today's episode Mitch Otto, or as he's known to my household, Pastor Otto. He's the pastor of my church and uh, a big Beatles fan. And uh, had a great time getting to know him a little bit, uh, talking a few different things about uh, him growing up and a little bit about the Beatles. So hope you guys enjoy. Uh, here it is. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. Good. I'm glad. Have you uh, done any podcasts before? No, this would be my very first podcast ever. All right on. Well, I'm glad I could be your first one. <laughs> you listen to them very often? Um, there's a couple I listen to, um, but not too often. Yeah. Well, I started doing this um, about six months ago, but I've been trying to do it for like over a year. And uh, just something I've always liked to do, <clears throat> just talking about music and having conversations with people and stuff so it's just something kind of like my little side project something i do for myself so i really appreciate you coming on well good i'm glad to support your art form well thank you very much and so uh like i said i might edit out this first little bit checking the sound quality and stuff you can hear me and stuff right i can hear you yes okay good good deal um because i have a new bluetooth microphone here so all right well so let's go ahead and just get started so i this podcast is a i mean i was you on um it kind of went back to a, a sermon you had done i don't know a couple months ago and you had incorporated uh your your love of the beatles in there and it oh, yes. sparked an idea that um for me i was excited to get you on because i thought you know as a part of the congregation we always only see you in a church setting you're always there for us and doing all the things that you do for us and my thought was i wanted to get to know you outside of you know the walls of the church so um that kind of sparked my interest there so that's funny that you say that because I think that I, I bring so much of who I am into the church, you know, talk about my love of cycling and the Beatles and things like that. You know, after a couple decades of this, there isn't much the congregation doesn't know about me. So you may not learn anything new about me. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, you, you're right. You, that is one of the things I think we all uh, love about you is that you are, you are you and, and and you don't try to i guess be something uh, fake for us or anything as you always put it you're you're very real and honest and you're you're just like the rest of us essentially you know well so, you remind me of, of my son when when he moved away and he was looking for churches and he said you know dad this this one pastor he, he's got a whole different voice when he preaches than when you just talk to him in person and I said, Dan, yeah. so do I. I have a preaching voice. You're just used to it. <laughs> he thought it sounded fake. That's funny. Guy. But uh, I have a whole different voice I use in, this, in, the, in the pulpit. So anyway. Well, that's good. Well, and so, I mean, that really gets me to, uh, we'll, we'll, to where I wanted to start with. Is so, I mean, uh, I should probably introduce you. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, this is the pastor of my church, uh, Mitchell Otto. Um, we've been going there for a couple of years now um, and really excited to have him on to kind of talk about um, his different music tastes, which one of which I have a feeling we're going to get into, which is the love of the Beatles. Um, cause I get the impression that's probably one of your favorite bands. Is there any other band? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, that you say that because I think Beatles fans in general, true fans are like, is there anything else? 
And then there's people like me who are like pseudo fans. I've learned to appreciate them more in the last couple of years. Um, being that I'm getting older than I really did in my youth. So what is it that, uh, I mean, you not, I don't know quite age out there, but what got you interested in the Beatles originally? Well, that, that's a good question. Um, I was born in 1960. So by the time I was 10, 11 years old, they had broken up and my household was a Johnny cash household. That's what my dad listened to on the radio. So about 1976, you know, I'm 16 years old and I go over to a friend's house. Now I'm the oldest in my family uh, of the children, but he's the youngest. So he's got all of these albums from his older siblings, including a Beatles one, um, Magical Mystery Tour. And a 16 year olds were still trying to figure out the universe. Right. And so on. On that uh, album is a a song called I Am the Walrus by John Lennon. Now, later on in life, I learned that John Lennon just liked to put words together that rhymed and sounded cool. He wasn't really making any messages about them. But we're sitting there, 16-year-olds, listening and reading the lyrics. And, you know, my friend is kind of showing me how to do this. You know, what is he really saying? What's the secret behind these these nonsense words? And... uh, that's what got me interested. That was my introduction to the Beatles. I am the walrus. Cuckoo-cuckoo, right? That's awesome. I, it's funny because, you know, most people, when they think about um, their their introduction to the Beatles, um, like mine was Sergeant Pepper's. It's kind mm-hmm. of the same concept because I know that, you know, with Sergeant Pepper's, it was a, a persona and it was a, like a, a, an audio book for your ears. Like they were trying to tell a story and be not the Beatles, you know? So I think that's what most people go to is like you said, interpreting, like, what are they saying? But the funny thing was, is they weren't really saying a whole lot of anything. They were just putting together stories and putting it into the form of a fake band called the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. And they were 20-somethings. And what do people who are in their 20s actually know, right? <laughs> so right, it's not the right. risk of the world there anyway. So. Right. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so do you, um, when you're listening, are you a record kind of person? So obviously I'm guessing, you know, early 70s, you probably were listening to vinyl with your friends. That's still a form that you kind of listen to with them. Uh, no, I, I have all the vinyl records and I have a record player, but no, it's, it's mostly on the go, you know, uh, through uh, Google Play or something like that, that I have them on. I have some CDs in the car, you know, that I, I, I put in them. Um, that's probably when I listen to them the most when I'm traveling. Sure, sure. Well, because, I mean, that was always the biggest draw for most people was... Um, the sound, the quality. Um, they were one of the few bands that always recorded mono and stereo, you know, to give different sounds and stuff to their music and stuff. So that's why I kind of asked, you know, I've gotten back around to listening to vinyl recently. So it's just a different yeah. sound quality. But obviously, like you said, if you're on the go a lot, then that makes it hard to do. So Yeah, I, I do miss just sitting down with some good headphones or some good speakers and just listening. And when you're in the car, you know, you've got all the other noise and stuff. And yeah, I haven't listened to good music in a long time in a good way. And that's my fault. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. I think um, that is the draw to a lot of their music specifically is it's not one that you just put on and start doing a whole lot of stuff to necessarily, unless you're like talking like the early they do or something. Um, but like when you get into like a white album and magical mystery tour, they intended for you to sit there and, and just take it in, you mm. know, listen to their story. So. Well, I, you know, there are super fans and I'm not one of them. The, the people who listen for every squeak from, you know, Ringo's pedal on the bass drum, they hear that, you know, and they catalog all of those things. Yeah. I just love the music. I just love the music. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you said that since you were the oldest and you started, you grew up in a Johnny Cash household. Right. That's what your, your, your dad likes to listen to. And then obviously you had this experience where you went over to a friend's house. I mean, how did that kind of make you feel when you first heard that? I mean, when you're listening to it. I mean, was it one of those like eye-opening, like, oh, there's so much more music I haven't heard before? Or did you kind of know about it going into it? Well, growing up, you know, the Beatles were the background of my childhood, you know. So I knew of them, but I didn't know them. I couldn't look at a picture of them and tell you which one was which and stuff like that. Sure. But you, you asked about an awakening moment. And again, it was about that same time, 16, 15 in there where I had a, a little radio clock radio next to my bed and I was turning the dial and I heard something that, you know, in, in this little mono speaker, it was uh, ABBA mm. singing their song SOS. And that was oh, when nice. the light bulb went on. It said, I had never heard anything like that. And I didn't yeah. go on to be a yeah. great ABBA fan or anything, but there was a sound there, you know, that, that right. have me. So, Right. That's really funny. Time, you know, Boston was coming out and Foreigner was coming out and all these big bands, you know, you know, when you're a teenager, you grab onto whatever's there at that time and you go, wow. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what I was going to say. So I was like, um, that's funny. Cause like I technically would have been a teenager in the nineties. And I'm so I was getting like, <laughs> I I appreciate that. I kind of feel like it was the second uh, best generation of music because me personally, I'm a classical rock fan. My dad grew up listening to classic rock all the time. Floyd, your Boston, your yeah, your Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, all that. That's how I grew up. Okay, just listening to that stuff. But then also, my I had an awakening moment where I went to a neighbor's house and they were listening to Motown and the Temptations and. Mm and Marvin Gaye and stuff. And that's when I was like, there's just so much more music that I didn't know about. Right. That really piqued my interest. So, um, you know. Well, when, when I was listening, would you say, I was going to say, when I was listening to, to music in the 70s, we never saw the bands, or I didn't. I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know what instruments they were playing sure. because there was no you know, YouTube or anything. So if, I, if I'm doing Beatles music purposely, I'm probably on YouTube watching them play in concert. And because uh, I'd never had that, you know, growing up with them. You know, right. Or, well, or anybody. I, I, and forgive me, forgive me for not knowing, but when they were on um, Ed Sullivan's show, what year was that? Was that really... That was early 64, three years old. Yeah. And I could never get yeah. my parents so, to know yeah. if we were watching that or not when it happened. <laughs> sure. Um, I always like to ask, you know, what did your, so if your dad was a big Johnny Cash fan, you know, when you started listening to stuff like the Beatles and maybe Abba and other stuff, what was his thinking? Um. They just thought I played my music too loud. <laughs> I did. Yeah. No, no, there was no negative reaction against that. I mean, my parents were married, you know, in early 1960, I was born. So they raised their children in, in, during a very difficult time, the 1960s. And my mom's youngest brother was in Vietnam and stuff like that. They had a whole lot of concerns you know, just raising a family in the world that at that time. Um, right. That I don't think we conflicted over, over music that I remember. We had other things to conflict over when I was a teenager, but not the choice of music. Sure, no, that, makes, that makes sense. I mean, I, 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 I asked that question because a, a lot of times the parents uh, now and thinking about when I was a kid, um, you know, my dad hated some of the music I started listening to, mm. um, but allowed me to still explore it and listen to it. 
so kind of like what you said, he had so many other problems. He didn't tell me I couldn't listen to it, but he just disliked it greatly, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think when I was a teenager in the 1970s, as compared to what I see today, we were really in a big hurry to grow up, you know? Once you got your driver's sure. license, I mean, we were still kids and making bad decisions, but we were very anxious to make our own decisions separate from our parents. And maybe our world's kind of divided from our parents more than they do today. That's kind of a general statement, but uh, that's how I read the times. You, you think so? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, um, I, I don't think kids are, like you just said, I don't think kids now are in a hurry to grow up necessarily uh, like we were because I'm kind of like you. Once I got my license, I feel like I never went back home. That was yeah. it. I was working. I was going to school. I was, life just took off, you know, and, and that was in the, the early 90s. So, you know. Yeah, when I went to college in 1979, the only way to communicate with my parents was through letters. Or long distance phone calls, which cost money, so you didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. my mother in law always. Kind of funny my mother in law always jokes that she dropped her daughter off for college and didn't hear from her until Thanksgiving. You know, <laughs> and that was normal. That's funny because I kind of feel that way with Sophie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you you not watching her Facebook page and Twitter and all of that to see what she's up to. Ironically enough, she's very quiet on social media since she went to college. Oh, good for her. She's always been that kid knows in the book. And I think she's enjoying school, but on the same token, she is focused. I think she's what you just talked about a minute ago. She is determined to reach adulthood, be an adult, have a job, do what she wants to do. Yeah. So, which is rare for kids her age. So... so get into a little bit about you and stuff. So, you know, you're like 15, 16 when you first, you know, start listening to the Beatles. You're in high school. What is um, Mitch Otto like in high school? Sports, theater, none of the above? What kind of stuff were you into then? Um, what was I into in high school? Uh, I was, I, I loved what I do today, riding my bike. That, that's always been a, a great um, freedom avenue for me. I was a huge reader. I was always sure. reading. I kind of feel that I self-taught myself through high school, you know, that I learned more sure. from the books that I found in the library than I did in any classroom, um, which isn't true, sure. but that's how I, f I look back at it. Um, I said it was right. the, I was the oldest in the family oldest of three boys and so I had nobody breaking a path for me um, so I was trying to right. figure out what the world was and what the next little step was and I had, a, I had a good group of friends that I hung around with of course when we went off to college there was no internet or anything we we lost touch so yeah. right did you um do you ever see any of those kids that are adults now? Have you ever gotten back in touch with any of those? No, uh, my circumstances, we actually moved from Minnesota to Iowa between my junior and senior year. So oh, okay. we didn't have a common graduation and in no way to keep in touch. Uh, so it, that never bothered me. You know, I have, I have the memories of my, my high school friends and then the memories of my college friends and then for, I think, my generation, you, you move on to your next group of friends. There was just no way to keep in touch if you didn't return to the same nest every year for Christmas or whatever. Sure, sure. And what, what originally brought your family to Iowa? Like, what, why did you guys move? Oh, my dad took a new job. Um, so, uh -huh. you know, I was 17 and probably not the best time, but again... <laughs> My parents didn't know any better. Didn't, I didn't know any better. So I, I survived my year in Iowa and then returned to Minnesota. And uh, then God had a great joke on me. He returned me back to uh, Iowa for my entire ministry now for 23 years. <laughs> and I love it. 
<laughs> well, and we we love it too. We appreciate it. Um, so you know, you said you like to read books a lot. I know you've kind of hinted at the fact that you were kind of into the sci-fi Star Trek. Is that the kind of books you were liking to read when you were doing uh, when you were a teenager? Oh yes. Um, the first kind of adult book that I ever picked up was H.G. Wells' um, Time Machine. And that, you know, you oh, go okay. from the Hardy Boys to the Time Machine and you, you've kind of made a big leap. But I also picked up um, right. Cornelius Ryan's The Longest Day, History of World War II, D-Day. And oh, so sure. I tracked then in history right. and, and science fiction. Um, my, yeah. my favorite author was <laughs> Arthur C. Clarke, 2001 Space Odyssey. I, I still... Every so often, we'll read through all of his books. Love his style. Oh, okay. Okay. I can honestly say I never read that book. I mean, you hear all the lore about it, but I've never read it before. Yeah, that, that's not a, a typical Clark book, though. His were more um, explaining science through science fiction uh, in the 50s and 60s. Sure. Just a nice, straightforward, clean style of writing that I appreciated. So. Yeah. So you're reading sci-fi books, which is probably blowing your mind a little bit. Lord of the Rings. And you delve, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You delve into uh, the Beatles, which is also, you know, awakening your mind a little bit. How do you go from kind of experiencing all of that on a... Um, entertainment level because that's a lot to take in when you think about it um really getting your mind going and thinking at you know the different possibilities into transitioning going to college and eventually going into the seminary well i'm a second career pastor so i didn't hit the seminary until i was 90 or excuse me uh, 32 so i did college in the early 80s and then seminary in the early 90s to mid 90s so there was a lot of false starts and different careers, you know, I got out of college and <clears throat> got married right away to my high school sweetheart. And uh, we just worked hard at putting our lives together and figuring things out for the next decade. You know, children came along. Right. Um, how it all fit together, it just kind of all happened. Is <laughs> really what happened. Right. I think most people would say that. Yeah. No. <laughs> No one defining moment necessarily. Um, just no thousands of little moments, and always kind sure. of in the background since I was a little kid. You know, my grandma, again, she bent over me, looking down at me. She said to me, "You know, you're going to be the first pastor in the family, aren't you?" And I said, "What?" <laughs> and then, you know, then I'm in my thirties, and uh, I'm. Off to the seminary, yeah, with two little kids and a wife, and that's how it works. Yeah. Sure. What did you originally go to college for? Can I ask? Oh Have no, I got a business degree, and with a history minor, sure. and could do absolutely nothing with it. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> when I came out of college, what was your hope? Nineteen eighty-three, with just a, a you know a BA, and it was a time of recession. Sure. Uh, you know, I ended up in retail, right. doing retail work and management. Um, sure. Tried insurance, selling insurance for a while and didn't have uh, the heart for that. Um, God bless those who right. can. Um, yeah, definitely. Sales is hard, especially when you're dealing with stuff like that on a personal level, you know. I mean, you deal with people on a personal level, but selling them something like that yeah i can see where that's a difficult job for sure so yeah so you said that mary and you uh were high school sweethearts yes you met her when you came to iowa or was this when you were still in minnesota no i met her when i was three years old oh we went (laughs) really yes we went to the same church um we went to and lived in different suburbs and different school systems of minneapolis um, but we went to the same church. So uh-huh. she's the youngest of four and I'm the oldest of three. And we happened to meet there. And um, yeah, so knew about her family 
know, for, for years and years, and we were in the same confirmation class. Never talked, of course. But um, right. <laughs> then one, one Sunday in, you know, Bible study, you know, high school Bible study, I looked across and I said, ah, and that's, uh, we went from there. That's awesome. And so you get married right out of high school or you guys waited till you were done with college? Uh, college. We finished college and then we got married. And then I'll, I'm going to apologize. How many kids do you guys sure, have? Sure. We've got a daughter and we have a son. Both are married and our, okay. our daughter is now expecting her third grandchild, our third grandchild. All right. That's awesome. I, I remember the last one being born, but yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and then how old is your, your oldest then? Oh, Allison is in her early 30s. She's about the age where I was when I went to seminary. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And what, what do they uh, like to do? What do they do? Or what do they do for a career? Uh, Allison yeah. was a speech and language pathologist in, a, uh, in hospital situations, in VA hospitals. And then when she had for, got pregnant the first time, then she became a stay-at-home mom. And um, she'll be homeschooling her kids. In fact, already is. My son-in-law is a physician, so that gives him a little bit of uh, leeway um, financially. Oh, right. And then my son, who's down in Texas, uh, the easiest thing to say is he's he does computers. So, oh, sure, sure. And his <laughs> wife is a flight attendant. Yeah. So they have a they have a good life. Well, good, good. So, you know, with your two kids and kind of going back a little bit, did you try to um, influence uh, their musical taste growing up? Were you, like me personally, I feel like I'm constantly trying to get the kids to appreciate the music that I like. Of course, they're having none of it. They're just like, what is this stuff? Did you, uh, I mean, did you guys have a musical household you and Mary? Did you try to get them to listen to certain stuff or, you know, kind of impart wisdom on a musical level for them? Um, well, sure, the Beatles were always on. And talking about them, but when they got to be teenagers, they, you know, in college, they, they started discovering their own music and I would try and listen to that and, and see what they were, what they were listening to and up to. Um, I don't, sure. I don't know if either of them still have any sort of musical interests. I, I never saw, I, I mean, I clung pretty hard to the Beatles and have stayed with it along with a lot of other music, but yeah. that, that's it. I, I don't know if music is part of their lives or not that much. Uh, probably more central to our yeah. life musically was uh, going to church and the singing the liturgy and the hymns. You know, if we have any music sure. that's still in that common, it would be that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think that, you know, for me, uh, you know, it's hard to, uh, like I said, my, my love of music from my dad and you know just all we had was a radio so we just sat around and listened to music all the time and I felt like it was um, you know a bonding time when we were kind of sitting together listening to stuff and he would tell me about this artist and that artist and stuff so but I think it's hard to find a common ground with you know your young children sometimes when you're listening to music and trying to impart, you know, your wisdom on them and, you know, yeah. your, your taste on them and how they take to it. So, well, you know, where we met was, uh, you know, if we were on a, on a road trip and they were, you know, young teens and stuff, instead of music, I would put on um, a Smothers Brothers comedy album or some Bill Cosby comedy, Oh, you know, and then we nice. just laugh together hysterically over that stuff. That's great, actually. That's a great, uh, I mean, I would say next to music, comedy is one of the top essential art forms that I think I, I miss sometimes yeah. <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, I, I try listening um, to different comics on Netflix, and usually I get so offended by the language within a minute or two, I turn them off. But, you know, occasionally you find somebody's funny, but 
the Smothers Brothers are just yeah, hilarious. Yeah. It was good stuff. Good, clean yeah, that, stuff. Uh, they were. Uh, so you probably got to hear like early Steve Martin on there mm-hmm. um, before he was really making it big and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have his uh, comedy album? What does that, that, that from any of his? Um, no, uh, you know, but Saturday Night Live was just starting when I was a teenager, and he would, he, you know, that's how I got to know who he was. Uh, wild and crazy right. guy, and excuse me, and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think a lot of people don't realize that you know to make it as a comic when you were making it you had to put out an album like that. You didn't do like a, a one hour show on Netflix or Comedy Central, right. you know? No. Saturday Night Live um, was a huge thing for introducing music and comedy to, to teenagers in the 70s. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So you get into the seminary around your 30s, you said, right? Yep. And you know, you said there was a lot of different little things and stuff. Did you feel like, um, like, I guess what I'm asking is, what, did you feel whole after that? Like, did you feel like it was something that you were set up to do? It just took you all to get there? Or was it, because like, I've talked to Pastor Music before, and he once told me that he always, you never thought he'd make it past the first two weeks of seminary <laughs> because he didn't honestly know, honestly know if if that was what he was meant to do. How do like where do you fall on that line? Do you feel like that like he became whole once you decided to do that? Oh no, but I was all in. You know, I had a wife. I had two little children. We had sold a house. We had moved, you know, quarter of the way across the nation. Uh, it was, I was all in, there was no, uh, well, you know, should I, should we maybe go back to Minnesota or something like that? That that would have ended my marriage, I think. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. No, uh, it was, it was hard going back in your thirties to become a student again when you hadn't done that for 10 years. That that's what worried me. Um, but I, I, my age was an advantage. Um, and then, you know, I got to the seminary and this is typical of me and I'm, I'm into it and you've got your three years of classroom and your third year is out there and, you know, you're halfway into your first year and say, okay, I'm ready to go out, you know, <laughs> let me go. I've got all I need to know, which of course isn't true. Um, I'm yeah. always anxious for the next thing to come along. I'm not really right. regretting where I am or regretting my decisions. And uh, right. I could still listen to the Beatles and be a Lutheran. That was good. And I, I kind of harken back to the beginning. That was one of the things that fascinated me when I wanted to have you on is that, you know, I not having a lot of conversations you and I together outside of the church, it, I think sometimes, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think sometimes in a church setting, for example, the pastor seems I don't want to say unapproachable on a but maybe unapproachable on a personal level. Like I feel like sometimes it's like a work base. Like at work you have your boss and you and there's a line. And sometimes I've been to churches at least where like there's the pastor and if you need to talk about for godly things, okay, we're gonna talk about that. But you don't often get to know them on a personal level. You know what I mean? And so yeah. You have always strike, struck me, excuse me, as being very approachable on any level. Like if I feel like we can have a conversation with you about anything. And that was why I was so excited to have you on is because I wanted to get to know you a little bit outside of the church and, you know, who you are and whether you're common interest. So, because I think sometimes nowadays, like you said, with such, um, you know, just sending a quick text or an email, you lose some of that conversational getting to know people. And that's really what I like to try to do whenever possible. Yeah. Uh, to, to be clear, though, I, I believe that everybody deserves to have a pastor. 
you know, and that's different than being a friend. Um, I sure. don't tolerate anybody calling me Pastor Mitch, um, you know, to kind of sure. knock the base of authority under from underneath the pastor's feet. I mean, you, people deserve to have a pastor. Right. You can get friends. Right. But if your pastor is friendly sure. and genuine, he still needs to be the pastor. He still needs to be the one who walks into the the hospital room when you're dying, you know, and be a presence. Uh, good point. Um, right. So I've always tried to, to walk that. But I remember early on when I came to Prince of Peace here, somebody coming up to me said, you're the first pastor I've ever heard who admitted he watches TV. <laughs> I think it was, I mentioned a <laughs> Simpson think, episode or something. Well, yeah, yeah, I watch TV. Yeah. And I think that's what I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, you remember when you were a kid and you saw your teacher outside of school, you went, wait, you're allowed outside of school? Yeah. And it's kind of that same concept, I think, sometimes with your, your pastor. So. Well, Mary and I, you know. But I know that. Most... Mary and I are always oh, on ahead, walking. Sorry. So, you know, people know us too from just seeing us walking constantly walking around so right so um getting into some of that actually what are some of your common things that you like to do when you're not working which i do realize that in your particular job you're probably almost always on or on call right but what do you like to do what do you and mary like to do whenever um you guys don't have to do something for us at the church well, uh, cycling, as I mentioned, is, is huge. Uh, uh, yep. Walking. Mary and I love to get out in the, there's lots of great paths and stuff around here. So uh, we walk everywhere. Yep. Um, reading is a big part. Um, in the winter, I like to do puzzles. You know, turn on the music or okay. turn on the TV in the background and work on puzzles when I can't get outside. So. And of course, we're fascinated yeah. with our grandchildren. Whatever they're doing, we want to know about. So. Obviously. Yep. Do you do a lot of, with technology, are you able to keep in touch with them, like maybe a Skype or, or uh, like a FaceTime or any of that stuff? They're, they're a little, little too young for that. But my daughter sends videos sure. and pictures all the time, which is just wonderful. That is wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, I'm always amazed watching you and Mary walking all over Corville. I mean, we don't live in a big city per se, but when I see you up on my na end of the neighborhood, because I live up on the north side of the highway, yep. and I see you guys walking back to, because I'm assuming you live down near the church area, right. I'm always like, wow, kudos, because I can't even get out of my house to go walk to the, the, the mailbox some days. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've been walking since we were in college, you know, so. Sure. Probably a good one-on-one -on -one time with you and her, I imagine, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very important one-on-one -on -one time. You know, and it's easier, of course, when, when the kids grew up and went off to college and stuff, then we had more time to do that, too. So. Sure. But when we were yeah. the kids were young, we'd throw them in a wagon and we'd take off, yeah. put them in the sure. stroller and go. Do, um, do you think that as now seeing them as parents, I mean, do they try to do the same kind of thing with their kids and their spouses? Have you noticed that kind of passing of the torch, if you will? Um, no, they're living their own lives in their own way. And it's a, it's a different universe than it was. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, my daughter and her, her husband are great parents in their own way which is wonderful. And oh, sure. Yeah. My son and his yeah. wife, you know, they're, probably... they're great marriage and we influence them and other things have influenced them. And we're just glad that they're happy. Sure. I'm always, um, as a parent, always fascinated with, I guess, uh, well, I've talked about this with a friend of mine, kind of passing on legacies, something that I want the girls to remember me for and by uh, down the road. Um, so little things like that, I hope that I'm passing on, you know, so 
I'm always fascinated to talk to other parents, no matter how old their kids are, what they're hoping to, just by leading by example, hope that their kids take from them as well. You know what I mean? Well, the bottom line for Mary and I would have to be, you know, our children and our grandchildren, you know, baptized and safe, you know, in the church of Jesus Christ. You know, everything else is negotiable. (laughs) But that's the one thing that's that's how we lead right. off our prayers right. for them and you know trying to influence them in sure. every way so right. and you do learn you know it, um i always as you say you do learn how little you can control other people when it comes to your children growing up sure. you know they didn't necessarily right. marry the people we would have picked for them but it turned out they were pretty good judges of who they sure. married so well that's good you guys don't often see it as necessarily anything that you did except for knowing that you know you had that one constant of church and 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 jesus and they made the rest of their decisions on their own and and did a good job with it so that's good that's what i think we were supposed to do as parents i think it's hard sometimes for some parents to do that but it's it's good to know that you know if you can see them now knowing that they've made decisions no matter how hard they may have been, that they're in a good place and that's all you can ask for. My wife was more of a hands-on parent than I was verbally. She was, she constantly let our kids know what was expected of them. And she was, she was pretty relentless about that in a, in a good way. So I I give her most of the credit. I was going to ask, I mean, to try to paint a picture were you the enforcer or were you like the fun dad in between mom and the kids um no mary and i were pretty equal in that we were pretty much on the same page you know the philosophy when they were really little is you know the kids don't win (laughs) if if there's a conflict between parents and children the kids don't win. <laughs> we were pretty good with that. Right. And that, that served well. Well, not. well that's yeah. good. And I would venture to say that we could probably have a longer conversation regarding that, but we probably won't get into <laughs> that because I'm old school and I grew up with an aunt and my father. I was kind of raised by both. Um, and it was their way. Yep. It didn't mean that they were super strict and couldn't do anything fun and they didn't let you explore your life. But when push came to shove, I told you to do something. Guess what? You better do yeah. it. <laughs> and unfortunately, I, not to criticize, but you don't see a lot of that nowadays. It's, yeah, it's a whole different thing. And so, yeah, that's a whole other yeah. thing, conversation, and I don't think I would have that conversation recorded. So, <laughs> yeah, no, agreed. I agree one hundred percent. So, um, I always ask people when I'm talking to them, especially for this podcast. I have part of this podcast that I when I started doing it was to to, to intervene music and in life. Um, I've always looked at music as um, therapy and or not just entertainment. Um, An example would be if I hear a certain song, it takes me back into a certain place. And I always wanted to try to get some of those memories from other people. Um, You know, like for me, if I hear Garth Brooks, The Dance, which I don't often listen to because it makes me cry. I think of my mm. uncle who passed away when I was younger yeah. and those kind of things. Is there a specific, it could be positive or negative or sad or whatever. Is there a specific song or album or anything that kind of takes you to that place that you can think of? Um, I think of Kansas song, Wayward Son and, and driving along sure. and, you know, as a teenager in a car and just singing to that. And there's a part in the chorus where mm-hmm. they, they had a, you know, no, really loud, you know, and putting my fist right. up in the air, like, you know. Um, I can remember driving along and hearing <clears throat> Foreigner 
for the first time. And I can, I can tell you right where that uh-huh. was when I heard them. Um, new right. song. I, I remember where I was driving. See, gee, I was in a car a lot, I think, as a teenager. But when I heard that Elvis died, I can t- take you to right the spot where I was driving when, when I heard that news. Though he belonged to a, a different oh, sure. generation, yeah. but, you know, he was all 40 years old when right. he died. You know, that's ancient <laughs> to a teenager. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there's lots of, I was driving to Des Moines a couple weeks ago to see my brother who was in the hospital. And I had some uh, particular, I put some Beatles on. And it was a sad occasion to go see my brother because he was so sick and he's doing much better now. But I remember listening to this album, one of the Beatles albums, uh, Revolver, at a really sad time in my life. And so it really Uh brought me down. And I knew that, you know, I was making some connections there. So I stopped listening to that and I put in something else. So I I understand what you say about music. Um, It seems to be able to bring me down more than it is to be able to lift me up. If I want to lift up, I'm going to bring out the hymns, you know, thy strong word and stuff. That's where my uppers come. Yeah. Well, that's, no, that's good. I, I, you're right. I think sometimes, you know, in certain situations, you'll listen to a song and you're thinking of it on a more sad or a negative level, not necessarily because, that was how the song intended to make you feel, but because of what you have going on in your life. So, you know, you're, you're worried about your brother and he's sick and you're traveling there and you hear a song that takes you to a place that makes you have those sad or negative thoughts. And yeah. Yeah. And I think kind of the fascination I've always had with music is, is the emotions that it can bring to you, whether positive or negative and how it, can affect the day or how your day affects how you hear music. You know what I mean? Well, a, a positive one is when my uh, son got married and at the reception, they were playing that song. It, the chorus goes, I think, shut up and dance. Do you know that one? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The girls turned me out of that one. Uh, oh, Lord. I'm not yeah. going to know the name right now, but yeah. But when I hear that song about. again, that takes me right back to that wedding reception. And that's a great that's a uplifting song for an uplifting time and just having a lot of fun. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Do you, uh, so when you're out doing your bike rides and stuff, do you listen to music and have a playlist or you just kind of take in the environment? I think it's too dangerous to, to, to ride and block your ears. I think uh, for me, riding, sure. being able to hear what's going on is a safety issue. So no, I don't listen to music when I ride. I go into a zone. Oh, okay. So just kind of enjoy the area and have your, your senses on all working, making sure nothing's yep. going on. Yep. That makes sense. How about when you and Mary are walking, just talking or any kind of music involved in that? Uh, just talking. Also enjoying where we're at. Yeah. yeah. She, she doesn't, yeah, uh, she doesn't care area. for the Beatles that much. So, you know, she says, you know, they're really ugly. She doesn't. I was gonna... She looks at him and says, you know, they're, they're not that good looking. I go, I don't care about that. That was going to be one of my next questions was, do you and Mary share similar interests in that? But yeah, that's funny that she's not a big fan. What, is, what, what would you say is her, more her taste? Um, I don't know that she has a taste. I know when she, you know, when we were teenagers, she listened to the Carpenters and Bread and, and things like that. But um, yeah. She, she, sure. though she has her music on in the car, I think she listens to whatever happens to be on. Um, she probably knows more about contemporary yeah. music than I do. Sure, sure. That's funny because Aaron and I always have these, like, always to say arguments, but it's not really an argument um, because our styles of music are so completely different. And it just makes me laugh sometimes. Like what I listen to, she's like, how do you listen to this? <laughs> and then I often think the same thing. I'm like, why? You know, like, it's funny. Cause, but, you know, as they say, opposite fact. And I think that's part of a good marriage sometimes is 
you don't have to agree on everything. You're going to have your own differences and you're going to be you. So, um, getting back into the Beatles a little bit, I'm going to ask the blasphemous question. Did you have a favorite Beatle? A favorite Beatle? I think, like with a lot of people, because of his uh, early death, John Lennon fascinates me in certain ways. You know, there's always the what if. Sure. Because right before he died, he put out some really good music. And you wonder, you know, if that had right. continued on, what that would have been like. Um, but the, mm-hmm. the Beatles themselves, you know, looking back, they, they all talk about how, you know, there were four of them and they were all equally strong in personality and presence. Right. And so I, right. you know, and since we were already uh, broken up by the time I got to know them, it didn't really matter mm-hmm. whose favor not to um, sure. you pick out the different styles and uh, it's more than differentiating between the four of them. It's between their different eras of music. Cause sometimes I'm <clears throat> into sure. the really early stuff and I want to listen to that where the recordings are so raw and they're not always singing together and they're not always quite in key. I love that stuff. Or when they overdub and it's not quite together, that's that's authentic uh, music to me. And then I'll be into the middle stuff, and then I'll be into the end stuff at times. So. Yeah. Do you have a favorite album, like your go-to? I do like um, the Rubber Soul and the Revolver era for just good, solid music, mm-hmm. the middle era. But I do like right. the really early stuff, uh, they did a cover of a song, A Shot of Rhythm and Blues, that was recorded for the BBC. That would be my favorite song. Right. Um, oh, okay. It just, you know, when the, the opening chords and strums, and you compare it to the original by Arthur Alexander or some of the later renditions of it, there you see what's uniquely Beatles to me in their sound. Um, right. So I love that song. Right. I can listen to that one over and over again. Oh, good. Yeah. And uh, um, so you said Rubber Soul or Revolver. And so that particular one is your favorite song. Was there one that you kind of listened to that like, eh, like where maybe you thought, eh, I, I could do without that one? Uh, Paul McCartney's uh, uh, Blackbird. Uh, oh, okay. seems to come up a lot in people's discussions. Huh? I, I really do not like that song, so. There's a lot of their stuff that I, I yeah, don't have. That I could I could go I could miss, which would be fine. You know, I, I don't sure. love yeah. everything that they did, but I find a really good right, good um, you know, across the board through the years, the consistency and the freshness of it is just uh, always amazing. Now I told you, you know, I was a teenager in the '70s, and they had been broken up for five six years, but that was the time when they were going back right. into the their albums and pulling out unreleased singles or you know turning songs from albums into singles so they were really strong on the radio you know six seven years after they had broken up with new sound coming out um obladi oblada and stuff like that so right they weren't an oldies band in the 70s they're still pretty fresh no they were still going strong yeah and heck even mccartney now is still going pretty strong i mean He's amazing. Um, I've had a couple people go to his concert and see him and said that, I mean, he's still as great as ever. So did you ever get a chance to see McCartney in concert or Harrison or anything? I mean, obviously the band would have been broken up, so you probably wouldn't have seen them live. But No, and he's coming, I think, to the Quad Cities this year and next year. And no, I really don't have any interest. I, I like the original no. sound. That's fine. Sure. Um, Keep it that way. I don't want to, yeah. I, uh, did you go to concerts a lot when you were younger? Like, did you have a particular concert that you went to, maybe not the Beatles, that um, you remember going to? Yeah, uh, I took Mary when we were dating to a Gordon Lightfoot concert at the University of Minnesota. That was fantastic. Oh, okay. And a couple of years ago, we saw James sure. Taylor. Sure. Um, that was good. Oh, that would have been good. But, yeah. uh, you know, 
No way. I wasn't a big concert goer. Um, yeah. We we like to go to concerts and we like to take the girls to concerts, even if it's not necessarily our, our speed. Um, I I like the experience. Uh, like we try to give them experiences as gifts whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, for the memories, yes, more than anything. I don't. I, Aaron and I don't. We're not trying to play the cool parents. We 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 expect you know we're the parents as we talked earlier. But we want to give them something to, I don't know, a, a memory. And I think concerts are a lot of times, you know, something that we can harken back on. You know, I remember taking Lexi to her very first concert, Sophie and McKenna, you know. Yeah. Like, I remember their first concerts, and it sticks with me. Yeah. So, and I think it sticks with them, too. So. Well, I have a, yeah. a good friend who worked for Walt Disney for over a dozen years. He's a pastor now. And he's still into Disney can talk about Disney. Oh, yeah. But uh, I tell him, you know, I've never been to a Disney <clears throat> theme park or anything. I'd rather go sit on a mountain, you know, than to, to do that. Oh, yeah. And that might be my experience with a concert, too, you know. I'd rather take my kids uh, and, and climb a mountain than, you know. But that's just a preference. But that's, but that's, all, that's a good experience, too. I mean, that's good. So, well... I really do appreciate you coming on and stuff uh, and, and talking with me and stuff and, and getting to know you a little better. Um, you know, do you have any questions for me at all? Like having done the podcast or anything? No, I'm, I'm interested to see what you do with it. I've listened to your other work and uh, it's a whole new area for me. Yeah. So no, I, well, I appreciate being part yeah, of it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's been challenging for me. It really gets me outside of my box a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just doing something that I always wanted to do growing up as a kid because music is, is such an important thing to me, um, both from memory. And I, I honestly thought I was going to be a DJ growing up. Okay. You know, but then I realized. I realized I didn't make any money. <laughs> so, so the podcast, uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's funny. You need that. Um, but the podcasting has kind of gotten me back around to being able to have the conversations and talk about the music and stuff and, and delve into that. So yeah. it's been really fun. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate having you on. I always like to ask everybody, um, is there, I mean, sounds like maybe you probably don't listen to a lot of new stuff but is there any particular song or artist or something that you would recommend because i always like to leave the podcast with a specific song to kind of put on the playlist for people to get into no you know i i talk, <clears throat> your daughter's in my confirmation class and i'm always asking them they're a little bit young you know who do you listen to and stuff? And they really can't tell me anything at that age. Um, now, contemporary music is on, you know, the radio and the car and stuff at times. And there's things I listen to, but I don't actually then go and chase down the artist or anything to follow up on it. There's just, there's just only so many things you can do in life. You only have time for so many things. So. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, and you are extremely busy. I do recognize that. So, yeah. Well, what about, so you said, remind me again, what's your favorite Beatles song? Uh, their cover of Arthur Alexander's A Shot of Rhythm and Blues from 1963. Yeah. Okay. We'll make that our go-to song for people to kind of go to and listen and yeah. and uh, check out. So. That's, um, that's the song where you listen again, to really, and say, this is a different sound that there's ever been before. If, if you know music history, you'd say, okay, this is unique. Yeah. Will do. Yeah, I, I can honestly say I don't know that song. So I'm, uh, as soon as we're done, I'm definitely going <laughs> to give that a listen. Yeah. Well, I do really honestly appreciate this very much. Um, I appreciate having you on. And, you know, after we disconnect this stuff if you have any questions for me at all just you know hit me up um 
and just let me know. So okay. I appreciate it. Um, glad to get to know you a little bit better. I'm sure I'm probably going to think about five or six more questions afterwards. So uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed this, then, you know, maybe we can do it again sometime. Um, and if, if you had fun with it, you know, I always share all this stuff on my um, uh, social media accounts. So if you have it and you want to share it with anybody, I say feel free to do so. I'll send you the link so you can uh, use it however you so choose. So. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Okay. Blessings. Bye. Bye.